Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Well, that's more like it. Get the goaltender back, go on a win streak, that's how you do things. You know, it seems so far away since we saw the terrible game against Vegas, which unfortunately I'm going to have to talk about here during this show. But it seems like a distant memory at this point. Grubauer comes back, everything looks great, the team is on a roll, three in a row headed into Wednesday. We'll talk about it, we'll look at the rest of the season, we're going to talk playoffs a little bit. I want to hear your thoughts. What do you think might be the biggest roadblock for the Avalanche in the playoffs when it comes to the division? We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Also in the show, we'll recap the games like we always do. We'll end on a lighter note. It's not just 31 teams in the NHL anymore, is it? We are now up to 32, so we'll have a little glimpse at the Seattle Kraken when we wrap things up today. Welcome! to the Believe in Avalanche podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Eric Pesolano. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Eric underscore Pesolano. Look me up on Facebook. Check me out on TikTok. I'm there as well for some reason. You kids love that stuff. I guess I'll I'll keep doing it. Also, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Believe in Avs. That's at B-L-E-A-V in Avs. We always have fun questions for you going on over there keeping you updated on everything Avalanche as we head into another week and hopefully it'll be another fruitful week because first of all playing San Jose has been probably the best thing for Colorado this year I don't just mean because they've won six out of seven it's more of how they're winning those games come from behind don't play well for a stretch You have other games where you dominate start to finish. You grind out a close one when they come up to your competition level. And they blew you out of the water once. Remember, that one loss was not good. That was an absolute tail kicking. That 6-2 loss at the hands of the Sharks. Luckily, we don't have to talk too much about that. But playing San Jose has been quite a benefit for this team so far this season. Only one more against them, but a team that can make you battle-tested. We'll see how it goes. Alright, we'll do game recaps. We'll look ahead to the future, the rest of the season, because we're getting down to the end. Playoff picture, again, your thoughts on a potential first and second round opponent. And on a lighter note, now I'm a broken record. Let's just get to the game recaps. First of all, we got to start with the return of the goaltender. Grubauer's back. Everybody's happy. The first game we're going to talk about is the game Dubnik played against Vegas, which didn't go well. Also, we want to hope everything is well with Devin Dubnik. Of course, he is now in COVID protocol. We're not sure if he was in close contact or if he himself tested positive, but we hope everything is well with Devin and hopefully he'll be able to come back soon. With that being said, let's go ahead and start the recaps. Games 47 through 50 we'll talk about here on today's show. Game number 47 at Vegas. It was Dubnik and Flurry. This one got out of hand pretty quickly. 10 seconds in. Carlson on a backhand after Gerard misplays the puck. Pretty soft one given up by Dubnik too. Uh, we couldn't even read the lineups on television before 
They scored their fastest goal in franchise history just 10 seconds in. Martinez and Petrangelo get credited with the assists. And it felt like from that moment forward, it was going to be a long night. And it was. Knights went on a power play after an O'Brien hooking call. Didn't really need to do it either. I know there's been an uproar against Liam O'Brien and why is he still up there. Look, there's just some things that coaches see sometimes that we don't. And this is probably one of those situations. Leave it alone, let's move on. And then, not too long later, Belmar got called for a tripping penalty, which was pretty lazy, wasn't moving the feet. Knights only had 11 seconds worth of a 5-on-3, but the Avs were able to kill off the entire power play, as a matter of fact, and got one of their own, after Alec Martinez was called for interference. Although the league's best penalty kill was able to step up, and of course that's the Vegas Golden Knights at this point in time, but... Devon Taves bangs away at one at a rebound in front. Soderberg continues his good play. I talked about it a week ago. I think I talked about it even the week before that when he was acquired. This guy could be the best of the bunch. And I think out of the three that we've seen acquired by the trade deadline, Dubnik, Nemeth, Soderberg, it's not talked about enough, but I think Carl Soderberg's been playing the best out of all of them. Now, Dubnik was going to get the most attention, because they needed backup goaltending, which they did not have, of course, between Johansson struggling and Miska not being able to make the mark. They had to acquire somebody, so Dubnik was going to get all of the recognition. Carl Soderberg's out here just grinding away, doing his job. Nobody's talking about him. But remember, a week ago and two weeks ago, I said he could be the best. I did say Dubnik was going to be the most important of the three. The best so far has been Carl Soderberg. So kudos to him, getting a helper there. Period ended on a power play for Vegas after Kadri was called for high sticking, but Avs able to get it done. We're tied at one after one. Avs outshoot the Knights 12-11 in that first period. And check this out, out hit the Knights 11-4. And for as non-physical as this team is, that's the kind of period you need to have against Vegas. The first 10 seconds sucked. We know that. There was a problem. Bit of a hiccup. They recovered. After, you know, taking two terrible penalties. But they were able to recover, score a goal. And it didn't matter how bad everything went in that first period. It's 1-1. And that's the positive you have to take out of that. We go to the second period, however. Power play right out of the gate. Nine seconds into the period after Gerard was hooked. Action the first ten seconds of both first periods. Something that you don't normally expect between these two teams. They play a pretty tight physical game every time they meet on the ice. But then Gerard comes out of the box, and he's called for a penalty. It was holding the stick, and it was just a rough night for Sammy after allowing that first goal, essentially, and then getting a penalty here. Pacioretty gets a shot to deflect right off a of Taves' stick and into the back of the net. Again, Devon Taves, the victim of putting it into his own cage. Effort does not look good at this point. Theodore and Stone get the assists. And watching Dubnik play, at this point in the second period, it looked like he just didn't know what was going on. He was a statue. Didn't react to a lot of shots. Wasn't moving around real well. It's not necessarily a trait we've seen out of him before. It seemed to have start during this game. I don't want to say there's a downfall here. Because naturally as the season wears on, you change cities, you try to do the best you can. You're not going to be the number one. You got to get the job done when you're in there. He did not do that during this game. And then Mark Stone just outworked everybody. Wearing an ab sweater. Worked out three of them to be exact. Banked it off the back of Dubnik and in. Everybody standing around had a pretty good view of it because, you know, 
they were standing there watching. And the Knights take a 3-1 to one lead. Abs get one back, though. Ryan Graves fired one through traffic, went off a defender's leg. Fleury never even saw it. He didn't move. But uh, a different kind of not moving. Not one for being lost, one for just being screened well. Uh, McKinnon, he was the one who got this play going. Got an assist. His point streak went to 15 during this game. Avs got another power play after a white cloud slashing call on Kadri. Uh, McKinnon had a shot through traffic during this power play. That was pretty much it. Nice stop by Fleury. So we reached the end of two. It's 3-2 Vegas. Avs outshoot the Knights 13-6 in the period. Or outshooting the Knights 25-17 in the game at this point. Hits again. 13-6 Avs in the period. 24-10 Colorado overall through two periods. Who is this team? This is a great attribute to add to everything. You got to make sure that the other stuff is there too. The aggressive defense, the not being confused in the neutral zone, the losing your man defensively in tight near the net, making terrible pass decisions in the neutral zone that lead to turnovers. Eliminate all those, add in those hits, you got a Stanley Cup contender, my friends. Third period, Avs continue that power play, but they couldn't really do anything in that final 30 seconds or so. And then Pacioretty shot at a wide open net after Dubnik really had no clue how to play the goaltender position during these 15 seconds. I just, I'm not necessarily sure what happened during this game. I know there's guys missing. I get it. You're playing the team that you're racing for for a division title. And Stone goes out, blocks a shot, easily beats Kadri the other way. It was a two-on-one with Taves, the lone man back. He couldn't do anything. Dubnik's flailing around out there. Somebody get him some help. It's 4-2 Vegas. And how about this for the Knights? They score a goal on each of their first three shots of each period, meaning... They scored on their first shot of the first, first of the second, and their first one in the third period. You don't see that happen in the NHL too often. I can tell you as somebody who covers high school hockey extensively here in Southern California, it's only happened one time in our league's 11-year history. I'm just saying that. Take that for what it will. That's high school. You figure somebody would be able to blow out somebody that way. Anyway, Avs get another power play after a roughing call on Stevenson. Started pretty good. Flurry just, you know, he's being flurry feel like when he sees the Avs logo on the other side of the ice, he remembers that he's Superman and goes out there and just and puts on a show. So with about 4.20 left, Avs pulled Dubnik way early, down, you know, two goals, doesn't matter. Marcheseau gets an easy empty netter from long distance after Burakovsky turned it over, and that's it. 5-2, Vegas wins. Avs outshoot the Knights 37-26, outhit the Knights 34-16, win 29 of 57 face-offs, and lose the game by three. That's hockey for you, folks. That's just... That's just going to happen sometimes. You put in a poor effort in other aspects of the game that do not show up on the score sheet, and the ones that do show up don't matter. That's why numbers don't always tell the story. Got to look a little bit deeper into the game film. I'll tell you one thing. There's a lot of times where, you know bouncing between jobs I don't get a chance to watch the games live I go back and I have to watch it from start to finish which I have done with every single game this year if I haven't been able to watch live however I do follow along with updates throughout the game and and check the stats and see how the game flow is going it doesn't tell you anything it really doesn't some I mean sometimes it does but you really don't know until you watch the game for yourself and this was one of those games when you sit down and go back and watch it and think to yourself How can you 
do so well offensively. Score a couple goals. Of course, you're playing Flurry. He's going to knock you up a ton. These two teams are known to play 2-1-3-1 games against each other. And then lose the game by giving up five. You know, the puck just bounces odd ways sometimes. Don't get me wrong. This wasn't a performance based on puck luck in the least bit. This was Vegas being the better team from start to finish. They just didn't need to do much offensively once they had a multiple goal lead. And it was just defense from then on out. And that was happening period to period. So the Knights win it 5-2. They pull a little bit further ahead in the standings. But then Gruby comes back in the first game against the Sharks on Friday night. First of a back-to-back. It was his first in action since April 12th. Jonas Donskoy back as well. We start things off with the Avs getting a couple good chances, but nothing too threatening. Soderberg gets called for interference. Uh, Graves ended up having to go to the bench after a scrum during a shorthanded chance, but uh, Avs don't allow anything on this power play, and that'd be the last we heard from Graves for that game and the next game. Obviously back in the lineup for the last game, or, well, the last game played since we started recording this podcast. Avs went to a power play after a Barabinov delay of game, puck over glass, something they've done a few times in this four-game set through the first three games. Avs get a couple shots, but still unable to score. At least in the first minute and a half or so, because Landeskog was able to deflect one on a Kale McCard drive from the point through traffic. Avs on the board. They lead it one to nothing. They get another power play later, and again, Kale McCarr fires one through traffic. This time, no deflection. He gets credit. Ranson and Donskoy getting the assists. Avs able to hold the Sharks in check during the first period. San Jose did very much nothing in that opening frame. Avs led 2-0 after one, outshot the Sharks 13-5. Look at the hits, 2-2. Avs taking a step back in the physicality department, and they scored twice in both of their power play attempts to take the lead to the middle frame. Second period begins. You look at Grubauer, one thing I noticed, he was moving very well uh, back and forth from post to post, and you don't see that a ton for guys who are coming off of you know the injured list, or in this case, I guess it's the COVID list. You don't really know how affected he was. Sometimes you find that out later on down the line. But he came back very sharp and very ready to go. Avs go on another power play after Ferraro was called for tripping. Didn't last long, though. Rantanen was called for interference on Kane. Elbow came up a little bit high, too, on Evander. Sharks eventually get the power play. Avs killed off the remaining minute. Again, I have in my notes here, Grubauer looks very comfortable. And he, he really was. Even after missing all that time, he comes back and looks like he hasn't missed a beat. Avs get another power play after Gregor holding. Not much going on there. Martin Jones then starts to get into a zone. So you see both goaltenders stepping it up here in the middle frame. And then the score after the end of two remains the same. 2-0 Colorado. They outshoot the Sharks by three in the middle frame. Again, outhit them by one. Dominating in all the offensive categories. And this time, it shows up on the scoreboard. This is one of those games where you look at it and say, Okay, yeah, it makes sense. Nemeth was called for high-sticking to start the third period. Sharks went on a power play. Didn't really do much. They started to pick things up with about 13 and a half minutes left, but Grubauer was... He was just in that zone where you feel comfortable and you kind of anticipate everything that's happening in front of you. So you're not panicking. You're not scurrying in the net. You're staying at home. A, trusting your defense. B, trusting yourself. And really that's what the key was for him 
in his comeback bid. Sharks got a power play a little bit later on after McKinnon was called for hooking, but, you know, there was the scrap afterwards where McKinnon went after LeBanc because this was when Gerard was driven into the wall and went down awkwardly. And this is the point where we find out, well, we find out later, but this was the cause. The effect was Gerard's going to be out for a few weeks with a lower body injury. Very much looked like the leg after it got tangled up in the boards. McKinnon didn't like it. He goes after LeBanc, gets a fighting major, and Sherwood had to serve the minor portion. But everybody on the penalty kill right there to pick him up. They don't allow a thing. And the game remains scoreless for San Jose. Timmons had pretty good move. Tried to get around the right pad of Jones. Couldn't quite do it. Sharks then decide they want to play with about 18 guys. No call for too many men. Jones leaves the net for the empty netter. Down two, but the Avs wrap it up with Rantanen getting an empty netter. And the assist from Landeskog and Soderberg. 3-0 Avs win. They outshoot the Sharks 36-21. to Hits were even at 9. Avs dominated the face-off circle 27-18. Didn't have a power play either of the last two periods. Didn't need it. They scored on both of their attempts in the first. End the night 2 of 4. Sharks go scoreless on the power play. They were 0 for 4. And it's a milestone victory. The Colorado Avalanche have won their 1,000th game since moving to Denver. Congrats to the franchise. On the opposite side of things, Nathan McKinnon did not have a shot on goal, so his streak ends at 263 games. You figure if he didn't get that fighting major, maybe in those five minutes he would have found a way. But... Another one of the aspects to this victory, the penalty kill. They went to work in this game. They shut down all four that the Sharks had. Three stars. Number three gave it to Cal McCarr, who had the power play goal and an assist. Rantanen was number two with a goal and two assists. And how can you not give a guy who came up with a shutout after missing all that time? First game since April 12th, Philip Grubauer stops all 21 shots he faces and gets himself a shutout. We move ahead now to game two. In the four-game set. This time, we got a goalie shakeup. Dubnik is back in the net. Second of a back-to-back against the Sharks in Denver. Joseph Kojanaj, who is the goaltender for the Sharks. And of course, there's a couple different ways apparently you can pronounce this guy's last name. I know <laughs> Moshe and McNabb talked about it on the Altitude broadcast during the game. The NHL official pronunciation sheet says it's Koronar. He says it's Kojanaj. Because that's how you pronounce it in his native tongue. So it's interchangeable. I'm going to stick with Coronar for the rest of the show. I know I said it differently when I first started this. But you know what? I've I've made an executive decision. I'm going to change it up. So no Gerard, no Graves for this game as well. It's the first start for Dubnik against his former team. And actually, for Nathan McKinnon, only team in the division he hasn't scored against so far this season. How about that? He's got a tally against the other six. And for Pierre-Edouard Belmar, 500th career game, second most all-time among French-born players. Congrats to him. This has just been a season full of milestones for this franchise, both individually and team. We start off with Hurdle making a strong turnaround move in the middle, fought off by Dubnik, who looked pretty good to start. Nachushkin had a quick shot in the slot. Koronar was there. He made a great save. And it looked like it was going to start off like the first game of this series with these two goaltenders being in a zone in that second period like they were. And now we see Dubnik and Koronar going at it in this first period. Rantanen had a takeaway, send one over the top. Boy, he had nothing 
but net to shoot at. Sherwood turned one over in his own end. Dubnik had to bail him out, make a save. How many times have we seen this from defensemen this year? When well, there's been a turnover in their own zone, they've had to bail him out. Avs eventually get a power play after a Balser's interference call that carried over into the second. They weren't able to score on it in its entirety. But at the end of one, no score between the Sharks and Avalanche. Avs outshoot the Sharks by 5 at 15-10. to 10. They get out hit 6-4. Of course, power plays count as 0 of 0 as neither team having them. You carry it over if it rolls over into the second period. So uh, 0 for 1 for the Avs after they couldn't score to start the second period. Soderberg had a grand opportunity. Got the double doinker off of both posts. And then a stick getting in the way on a rebound attempt on the backside too. Kept the puck out of the net. Landeskog was crashing hard too to try to direct one later on after he slammed into Coronar, but he ended up being called for goaltender interference. Absolutely the correct call. And Barabinov bangs one in after he got a loose puck on the near side. Hurdle lost control of it. Looked like a pass in real time when you were watching it, but you realized that Tomas just dropped it. But it went right to Barabinov and he buried it. Carlson had the first pass in the middle to get it to Hurdle at the start. And the Sharks lead it one to nothing. Coronar made a hell of a save on McKinnon. On a backside one-timer in front two. Nate weaving through traffic, finding a way. Yosef right there to stop it, though. And then Nemeth and Nikchushkin, just a few seconds apart, both have opportunities when Coronar got his mask knocked off. You remember that one? That's one that killed the play. But he was Johnny on the spot, knocked them both down. The third shot went in the back of the net, but the whistle had already sounded because he had lost his mask. A little bit later on, Meyer had a wide open net. He couldn't handle a pass. That probably would have given him a 2-0 lead. Renouf gets called for holding. That didn't last long because Burns was called for interference. And in my opinion, not a great call against Burns. Uh, he didn't really touch the guy. And I, Look, I get interference. You don't really have to touch somebody. You can just kind of set a screen. This was not one of those cases. It was just a missed call. Sometimes you got to deal with them. Coronar makes a huge stop on Taves. And this is a point where maybe you think to yourself, they're going to be snake-bitten tonight. All these opportunities. Coronar's coming up huge. And then four on four, the team goes tic-tac-toe, and McKinnon able to deflect one in on the backside after he cut in, and nobody, nobody saw him. I don't know how you lose 29 on the ice. The Sharks certainly did. Connor Timmons found him, put it right on the button. Rantanen gets the other assist as well. And to be honest, it's a shame Devon Taves doesn't get one either. He had the third pass to set it up. Without those four guys working it around the horn, it would have never happened. But only two assists. McKinnon eventually broke free on the 4-on-4 four four a little bit after that too. Coronar was able to get a glove on it. And then the Avs got a power play. Remember after that Burns call. Burakovsky though, a little bit later on, after all the power plays were cleared and all the penalties were cleared, Burakovsky fired one through traffic right off the draw from Comfer after he won it. Abs take a 2-1 to one lead at this point after being down 1. Again, another one of those times where they're going to have to grind them out. You get down early, still able to show some fight, and come back. Second period blitz for Colorado against San Jose. We talked about the shot totals after 1. Abs led by 5. Well, after 2, they led 36-14 to 14 because they outshot San Jose 21-4 to 4 in that second period. Second period has been the Avs' best frame of the year. You know, we'll talk a little bit about that later. Because in the third game of the series, maybe not so much. But anyway, we go to the third. Donskoy gets absolutely robbed by Coronar with the right leg. Sharks go on the power play. Can't really get anything done. Colorado 
just too suffocating when they're on the penalty kill. Abs then turn it around and Patrick Nemeth launched one from the point after McCarr found him. First for Patrick since his return to Colorado. Congratulations to him. Avs take a 3-1 lead. They got a power play a little later on, did not capitalize, and then San Jose gets a goal shorthanded after Couture followed up the Kane bid. Pretty much an empty net layup for him after the puck came loose. McCarr tried to break up the Kane shot, which he did a great job of doing. He stopped that from being a great opportunity. Problem was, is everybody else stopped. And that's why Couture was able to follow up, and when you hustle, you get rewarded. He did, and it was 3-2. to two. Abs tried to challenge for goaltender interference on this play as well, saying that Kane hooked the gloves of Dubnik as he skated on by, which, by the way, 100% absolutely should have been a penalty. and Or not a penalty, but it should have wiped the goal off the board. They elect to keep it, the call on the ice, which means power play for San Jose. Colorado was on the power play, so that penalty resulted in a 4-on-4. And during that 4-on-4... Nothing really happened. Sharks then got a few seconds of power play time. They couldn't do anything. And then a little bit later, Miko Ranton and redirects a Taves drive. Timmons able to get it over to Taves initially, so he gets another assist. Nice night for him. San Jose scored a goal up over the shoulder of Dubnik with the extra attacker, so a 6-on-5 goal for San Jose to make it 4-3. to They got a few chances late. Avs ultimately able to hold on. They win game two of the series, 4-3, outshoot the Sharks, 44-25. My goodness, and they only win by a goal. Three stars in this one. Timmons, your number three star with two assists. Rantanen had a goal and an assist. He's number two. And Nathan McKinnon, with his goal and an assist, is your number one star of the game. So that was game two of the series. And game three happened just a few nights ago on Monday when they were in SAP Center for the first of two games on the West Coast. Grubauer back in net, taking on Martin Jones. And in that first period, Evander Kane took a turnover, buried one in front. Terrible decision to throw that one in the middle. We've seen this from the defense a couple times this year. And by a couple, I mean a lot. Throwing it into the middle of the zone when it's absolutely unnecessary. Sharks are going to feed on that. I mean that in the most figurative sense. And I guess a little bit literal. That they will take advantage of turnovers. They swarm around the front of the net. I've got to knock it off with the puns. But you get what I'm getting at. This is a team that hangs out in the middle. They'll take it away from you. And they'll put it by you. Avs though, able to even it up. Got a rebound off a McKinnon shot. Landeskog got a helper. Made it 1-1. to Avs had a power play later in the period. Could not score. They really controlled play after they scored their first goal. Took it to the Sharks a bit. Outshot them 13-5 to in the period. Beat him in the faceoff draw, 11-5. to And then the second period happened, and a little bit into the third, but mainly we'll worry about the second period here. We talk about how great the Avs are in the middle frame. This was an absolute disaster. Just atrocious. Came out, not ready. Meyer turned into a one-man wrecking crew in the first 30 seconds. Grubauer had to make a quick three stops. There was a turnover at center. LeBanc dropped one to Gregor for a shot. Grew had to make another stop. And then Hurdle basically gets a freebie after Jokes takes a puck off of his skates. Didn't even realize it. Just an easy backhander. Nobody was in front ready for it. Taves had no idea where the puck was. Turnovers continue throughout the period. And then Evander Kane gets behind absolutely everybody. Backhands one through the outstretched Grubauer. Barabinov and Hurdle get the assist. That's the one where Kane was driven to the boards after he scored. It's 3-1. to one. Everybody on the ice looks a mess 
for Colorado. I, I'm not exactly sure what happened here, but they were just a nightmare. Then the Sharks get called for a puck over the glass again. This time it was Hurdle. Abs had a rush at the net with Donskoy and McKinnon. A couple of uncalled hooks, I think, maybe on the power play, but, you know, what? whatever. They're unable to score. Graves gets called for tripping. First power play of the night for the Sharks, up 3-1. to one. It was killed off. And then the Avs continued to turn it over in the D zone. And they just, they weren't ready. It, it might have been the worst second period of the year, if not the worst period of the year for this team. So hopefully they were able to straighten it out in the third period. Like, I'm talking about this like you hadn't seen the game already. We go to the third and right out of the gate, heavy energy. Burakovsky bangs in his own rebound off the post. At least we thought. Somehow, Nachushkin went stick to stick with Burakovsky and Andre shot Nachushkin's stick at the puck and it ended up in the net. So Val gets the goal. Uh, Jost had a really huge screen in the middle that probably should have been interference. And when I say probably should have been interference, I mean it should have been interference. But the Az bring it to back within one. It's 3-2 to two, a little bit later on. Timo Meyer had a wrist shot through traffic, pretty much unimpeded. Nobody got on top of him. Not the screener, the assister, nor the goal scorer for San Jose on that play was impeded by anybody in the burgundy and blue. Burns had the drop pass on the assist. It's 4-2, and you think it might get out of hand until Gambrell is called for tripping. And then, while the Avs were very disjointed on this power play, the mood started to shift a little bit. Landeskog then able to dig one free in front, ripped it up top. Huge goal for Landeskog to get them back to within one. It's 4-3. McKinnon had the game on a stick a little bit later on. Jones made the stop of the game. Everybody lost their mind. I yelled a little bit with the save that Jones came up with. Nemeth did a pretty good job. Got a stick in the way of Marlowe's shot going back the other way. Otherwise, Patrick, who at last count had played 7 million games in the NHL, had it knocked away. He doesn't fail a whole lot in those situations. LeBanc had a chance on a breakaway, and he sent it over top. And this is where Uncle Momentum shifts. Kadri lifts one at a very bad angle. Got it to go off of Jones' head, maybe off his back too. Found a way at a sharp angle after Burns had a miserable turnover in his own end. First goal in 19 games from Nazem Kadri. Avs tie it up at four, and we head to overtime. And overtime did not last long. 41 seconds, as a matter of fact. Makar and Rantanen, Rantanen specifically, sitting on the bench, gets an assist after Burakovsky. It was a cheapie. Jones let it get through. I'm not sure how, but it squeaked through. Avs win 5-4 in overtime. Huge two points on a night when Vegas blew their game against Minnesota. And we got a race for the top spot, folks, and it's not just between Vegas and Colorado. Minnesota's sneaking in, too. We'll talk about it in a minute. Three stars of the game. I'm adding a fourth. Rantanen, a goal and an assist at number four. McKinnon, two assists for him. Landeskog, number two, with a goal and an assist. And the game winner and an assist for Andre Burakovsky, our number one star. Great to see them steal a victory from the jaws of defeat here. We talked about Vegas losing in regulation. That shifts the pressure way over to Vegas. And after playing the worst period of the season, they get a win. They somehow get a win. You're listening to the Believe in Avalanche podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Eric Pesolano. Thanks for tuning in. You can follow along with the podcast on Twitter at Believe in Avs, at B-L-E-A-V in Avs. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter as well, at Eric underscore Pesolano. Look me up on Facebook as well. That's where I post a lot of the social media questions for the week, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But first, let's take a look ahead to the schedule coming up 
Wednesday night in San Jose to wrap up the season series with the Sharks. They'll have back-to-backs again on Friday and Saturday at LA, Monday at Vegas to wrap up the season series with the Golden Knights. So we'll recap those four games for you next week. And then after that, just the two games at home against LA. And it is off to the postseason. Let's real quick take a look at the playoff picture in all of the National Hockey League. There are only, at the time we recorded this podcast, four spots remaining in the Stanley Cup playoffs that are up for grabs. You take a look at the Central. Carolina, Florida, and Tampa Bay have all clinched. Carolina has the fast track to winning that division. It's literally in their hands. They've got three games left. Florida has two. They win them all. They're going to be the number one spot in the Central. The only question remaining, aside from seeding, is who gets that number four spot. It's a race right now between Nashville and Dallas. The window is closing for the Stars quickly. They're four points behind Nashville. They've got four games left. Nashville has three. In the East, all four spots are clinched. We have no idea who's going to win this division, though. Pittsburgh is at the top right now with 73 points. They've got two games left. Washington has four games left at 71 points. They're the ones with the fast track right now to win the division. They win out. They're going to be East champions. Boston is in third with 69 points. They've got four games left as well. They could get to the two seed if they win out and Washington wins out, but a chance for them to win the division as well. And the Islanders right now sitting in fourth. Three games left. They have 68 points. It is more than likely they will be a three or four seed. We will see how it goes. Rangers, Flyers, Devils, Sabres all out and will not move to the postseason. Let's head up north. Still two spots available in that division. Only one team is mathematically eliminated, even though they're not in last place. The Canucks are sitting in last, but remember they had that long COVID pause. They still have 10 games left, while everybody else has no more than six games remaining. So Toronto running away with it. You figure they're going to be your number one seed. Eight points ahead of Edmonton who has 64 points. They still have six games left. These are your top two teams, probably going to stay that way. Big gaps between them and the three spot. Figure them to have home ice advantage in the first round. Winnipeg and Montreal both have 57 points and five games left. Calgary is 10 points behind Montreal. It's going to be tough for them to make up all that ground. They are very close to being eliminated within the next game or two. I'd expect it to happen. But you got to keep an eye on Vancouver because with 10 games left, they are 16 points behind. Only 20 points available to them. Winning out is going to be very tough. Montreal needs to win three of their final five to secure it. Same for Winnipeg. Expect it to be Toronto, Edmonton, Winnipeg, and Montreal in some order. With Toronto and Edmonton having home ice advantage. And then we come to the West. Vegas, five games left with 74 points. Colorado, 72 points. Six games left. Minnesota, five games left at 70 points. Avs have the fast track to the two seed right now. They need some help from Vegas' opponents over the next week and a half to win the division. They can help themselves. If they beat Vegas and tie the season series up at 4-4, now you're looking at the other tiebreakers coming into play. You would tie in regulation and overtime wins. You would tie in head-to-head points on the year. So you need to get that win and take care of business against L.A. and the one against San Jose. Minnesota, they have clinched as well. Top three seeds are in. We're waiting on one more team. Is it St. Louis? Is it Arizona? Is it L.A.? House money right now is on St. Louis. 50 games played, six to go. They've got 55 points. 
having three games at hand on Arizona. You figure this is going to be a lock. Expect the Blues to wrap this up in the next couple of days. And the top four that we predicted at the start of the year to make the playoffs, while it wasn't a terrible long stretch, it's still fun when you get things right. They're going to be a little bit out of order. I had Vegas, Colorado, St. Louis, Minnesota, one through four. It's going to be Vegas. Well, it's going to be we don't know, we don't know, Minnesota, then St. Louis. Actually, you could say we don't know for Minnesota as well, even though the Avs have a game at hand on them. We just don't know. Top three seeds yet to be decided. St. Louis most likely going to be the four. There's your playoff picture. Going to be a lot of fun. Remember, the first two rounds are within the division, which begged the question, which team scares you the most, Av Nation? Which team do you not want to see in the first or second round? Who do you want to avoid? Now, probably not going to play Vegas in the first round. We'll see them in the second round. I asked the question, who are you most afraid of? And here are your options. Your options were Minnesota, St. Louis, and Arizona. I intentionally left out Vegas, and some of you felt the need to comment, oh, it's got to be Vegas. Everybody's afraid of Vegas. We know that. I was asking about the other three teams. Who scares you the most out of those three? We read your answers right now. Attila Budai says, St. Louis, they have the depth and the physical style to play what seems like being the Avs issue for a while. The other two teams can't see how they would beat the team in a seven-game series. That's a good point. I, I would I would argue the Minnesota point, though. I think Minnesota could beat the Avalanche in a seven-game series. Arizona, absolutely not. I think it would be a repeat of what we saw last year. If they were to play St. Louis, it would most likely go to seven games. But yes, at present time, I would agree Attila St. Louis probably scares me the most. Brandon RC says, also, St. Louis, once they started getting bodies back, they've been on a roll. They're getting hot at the right time. They're a playoff-built team size-wise. They're deep. They know what it takes. They still have the most pieces of anybody in the league and can play a smothering style. They have no problem playing half speed in a 2-1 game. Assuming they finish fourth and Vegas finishes first, that'll be a seven-game physical series, which I think a lot of people are hoping happens. Get Vegas and St. Louis in the 1-4. We want to win the division. Don't get me wrong. I'm saying we again. I don't care. We want Colorado to win the division. We know that. Is it more beneficial to avoid St. Louis in the first round and wait for them and Vegas to beat up on each other for seven? And then take care of business against Minnesota. Interesting thing to ponder. Maybe we'll talk about it next week. Frank James says it would have to be Minnesota. They are, in my opinion, the only team in the Honda West with close to the same speed and shooting skill as the Avs currently. And I'm saying this as if both teams were at full health and had their full lineups. Of course, we saw Kaprizov. We know what he can do. You want to talk about shooting ability. You are spot on there, Frank. I'll tell you that right now. Keep an eye on Minnesota. They do shoot the puck very well. They are a quick team. I agree with some of your points there. Henry Escobel Martinez says, Blues, we always have trouble with the Blues. They know how to win come playoff time, and we need to want it more. That might be the most important fact, Henry. Wanting it more. Not slacking off when the moment is huge. Not getting down on yourself if something doesn't go your way. Gotta pick yourself up, and you gotta keep going. Brenda Price says, St. Louis... They seem to have figured out our game and know how to shut it down. Plus, they're a really physical team. And until the Avs start to pick up those hits, you know St. Louis is going to have the advantage in that category and could lead to the difference in those tight games. Daniel Parker says the Blues would be the toughest of the three. If Bennington gets hot, we saw last week that Rhino can put the team on his back, and that's all they need. 
Boy, you would hate to have Ryan O'Reilly come back and beat you in the playoffs, wouldn't you? My goodness. I saved the best one for last. In David Bradley throwing a wild card here at all of us. But he makes a good point. Honestly, it's themselves. If they either get too cocky or they start not playing like they have. Overthink, overreact, not playing our game when we have been playing for most of the year. Then we will be in trouble. And I had that one higher up on the list, but I wanted to save it for last because that's the biggest point. It's going to be up to this team going into the postseason. Worry about yourself. Don't try to control all the outside factors. It sounds very cliche, but we've seen it happen several times throughout the season. You think back to the opening night game against St. Louis, when as soon as the Blues were able to get on the board, they felt like the floodgates were going to open. And when you get into that mindset, that's what happens We saw it in the 8-3 game against Minnesota. As soon as the Wild just got on a little bit of a roll, they got down on themselves and they figured, oh my gosh, here we go again. And that's what happened. They got absolutely rolled. What they need to do is look at the other teams and how they react when the Avalanche score a flurry of goals. The 8-0 game against St. Louis. The 7-2 game against the Sharks. Games like that, where when you're the aggressor, look what you can do to the other team. Don't let it get to you when the other team scores on you. Got your goalie back too, that helps. As we wrap things up here tonight, we always like to end on a lighter note. And that would have to be that the Seattle Kraken are now officially the 32nd franchise in the National Hockey League. They will begin play next season at Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle. You might remember it as... The key arena from back in the day when the Seattle Supersonics were still in the NBA. Can't wait for the Kraken to join the fray. You know, from a personal standpoint, my dad lives up in Washington. And I cannot wait to go up to Kraken games as much as I possibly can. I I just, I, I tell you what, it's a city that really deserves to have another professional sports team They support their clubs. You see what they do with the Seahawks and how it's the loudest building. Well, maybe the second loudest building in the NFL. Kansas City being the loudest. I know they go back and forth. I think Arrowhead Stadium right now holds the record. How much they support the Seattle Sounders in MLS. They've got a baseball team up there that can't seem to win anything. And they're out cheering on those Mariners every night. It was a shame when they lost the Supersonics. They've always been known as a three-team city. Before the Sonics left, they're going to be a three-team city once again with the Seattle Kraken coming to down. Congratulations to everybody up in the Pacific Northwest. Might have a little rivalry brewing up there with the Vancouver Canucks. What do you think when they finally get back to play next year? Remember, the Pacific Division will lose the Arizona Coyotes. They will move into the Central Division, and they'll be in the same division with the Avalanche once again. That's going to do it for us on the show here today. Thanks so much for tuning in. Appreciate you all submitting your answers to the question, who are you scared the most of in the playoffs? Sands Vegas. I don't think we're really scared of anybody, but the question was who who gives you the most trouble? Who gives you the most troubled mindset going into the playoffs? Who do you not want to see early? Seems like a lot of you think St. Louis, a few think Minnesota, and one of you, like me, think it could be themselves. You've been listening to the Believe in Avalanche podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. We'll talk to you next week, everybody. Go Avs, go.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.